All right. We're back again. The play-by-play podcast strikes again. The usual three. The, <laughs> the Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman to my Michael Jordan. Well, so you're Jordan? I mean... Well, I mean, depending on uh, Parse's uh, comments after this, you might not want to be Jordan. Yeah, um, and after all that, maybe not. But, uh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll be Pippen. The like Pippen and Rodman to my Phil Jackson. There we go. Okay. We'll, we'll take it. Then. Okay. Uh, and if you wait, so who's Rodman? <laughs> who's crazy? Enough? Parse. Yeah, Parse. Parse. Has Parse. Parse has to be Parse, Parse is Rodman. It's the it's the <laughs> it's the play by play podcast uh, with yours truly, Mr. Yusuf Rasht, Anton Wong, and Parse Cottrell. And if you haven't guessed by that intro, we're talking about the Last Dance. Uh, what is the last dance? If you're listening to this and wondering if you've been living under a rock for the last month and so, ESPN brought a team together to document. This was years ago. They documented the final season of the Bulls dynasty, Michael Jordan's final season in the league, 97-98, which coincidentally we found out was actually titled The Last Dance by Coach Phil Jackson. And through interviews from back then and through interviews done with Michael Jordan and other players over the course of the last couple of years, they put together this 10-part docuseries on Netflix that showed the inner machinations and inner workings of that Bulls team and everything that went into it. And uh, it's been probably the most talked about documentary series in the last little while since Tiger King, but at least this has some merit to it. And uh, now it's what's nice is we're starting to hear that more documentaries like this are going to be coming out. There's going to be, they're working on a documentary about Tom Brady in the same uh, almost format. Uh, They plan on working on a documentary for Tiger Woods in the same style. And yeah, it's an exciting time, but that's later. This is now. (laughs) This should be fun. This is the play-by-play podcast's take on the last dance. And uh, I think if anyone should start, should probably be Parse. Uh, um, sure. Thank you. Thank you for that. So uh, this is a docu. Uh, sorry, this is a podcast on the last dance. Uh, thoughts and um, I and just how you how you felt about it. Uh, personally speaking, um, I think it's it, it's it's really tough to say what this what this thing is to be honest, really, because it's not really a doc about. It's not if you watched it, you're gonna find out pretty 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 quickly that it's more of a doc about Michael Jordan than it is about the team. And uh that it's 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 more or less a glory sentence to to keep away from others who might want to say that they're at his level than than otherwise about how great the team was. But in all honesty, the doc was a really fun doc to watch. It's actually one of the most entertaining things I've seen in a long time. And I watch a lot of documentaries. I watched the Golden State one that they did a couple of years ago. Um, LeBron James talk about the 2016 finals and what, what his uh, thoughts and, and, and how he traversed the field during that time. That was a really good kind of like, and those are really like more or less like kind of interviews and docs more than they were um, a full on like 10 series special, but this was kind of cool. It was different, but it was somewhat not what I wanted to see from someone who I've, idolized and, and always looked up to over the years of playing basketball, coaching basketball and being about basketball. So it was like, man, 
I, I know your story from the stories I've heard from people and from all the books that I've read. I know you're a competitor. And that was pretty much how the documentary went talking about him being a competitor. But you're also worse than that. You're, you're on the borderline of being um, a pest. You're on the borderline of being an asshole at, at the very, very least of it all. Because you, you, you value nothing else but your own ego at that point. And it's easy to see that in the way that he general manages teams. But for him to come on this documentary and tell somebody, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not an asshole. I'm just a competitive person. And if you don't like it, that's on you. I do like it, but in the past you owned up to it and now you're denying it. And that's where my problem is. I feel like it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's, it's very much akin to the saying of you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. And my overall reaction to the whole documentary, at least from, from my perspective of just being a guy that enjoys sports and enjoys like, like all these little things that happen in sports and analytics and whatnot. Um, I, I've seen my fair share of, so to speak, you know, locker room leaders or, you know, in my, in my situation of being a musician, uh, you know, band managers and whatnot like that, that do behave rather assholish, but I think for everything that everyone's heard about Michael Jordan over the last like years and what, like hearing about what kind of person he actually was in Chicago, I don't find any of it surprising. <clears throat> and I think through this documentary, hearing it from Jordan himself, that's, it's one thing I do admire about the documentary and everything Jordan spoke is he was a hundred percent honest in everything he said. I respect the honesty. And I feel like with that honesty, though, there comes a fine line of, mm, okay, it's an interesting way of going about it or certain things here and there, even after the fact, I like just briefly, I'm going to touch up on this, his feud with Isaiah Thomas, you know, even now it sticks. It's like, okay, well, that was, you know, that was 30 years ago, right? It's like, you've forgiven a lot of players, but you haven't forgiven Isaiah it's 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 an interesting take that Michael Jordan has on a lot of things in the league, and and I get it because he is basically the poster boy of the NBA. He was the poster boy of the NBA for all those years and even longer after that until like the Kobe LeBron, like Kobe era and early LeBron era. But I get that you know you basically control the whole team. You you have essentially as much saying power as your front office does, except you're not the one that makes the final call. I, I understand that having that much power can do that to people, but I feel like Michael Jordan was always that person regardless of having that kind of power. And, you know, granted, yeah, he, you got to back up what you say. You know, if you, if you got bark, you got to have bite. Michael Jordan definitely had both. He very much had both. But I think it was it was good to finally see this side almost of Michael Jordan coming from not only his own mouth, but from the mouths of Rodman and Pippen, Phil Jackson, uh, the posthumous interviews that they had done with, or the interviews they had released posthumously with Jerry Krause, who passed away not too long, a few years ago. 
uh, and other, you know, players like Isaiah Thomas, Carl Malone, all these other players in getting a better sense of who Michael Jordan actually is. And I do agree with Parse with your opening statement is that this wasn't a documentary on the Bulls per se, even though I think that's what a lot of people believed it was going to be. It very much was a Michael Jordan focused documentary, but of course it was going to be a Michael Jordan focused documentary because Michael Jordan was the focus of the Bulls for all those years. So yeah, it it's well done. I got to give it that. It is really well done. And I, I've definitely learned a lot from it. Rewatching it now with my dad. So we're getting a kick out of it, but um, yeah, that's, that's my brief take on the last dance. Yeah. So I think on that note of uh, you saying that um, it's, yeah, it definitely is Michael Jordan focused because uh, Adam Silver, I believe who was a uh, media director, president of media, relationships or, or something like that at the time who approved it um uh said it uh you know jordan said that he would only you know they would they said that they would only make the, uh, a documentary or release the footage of it with jordan's blessing yeah with basically jordan's blessing um and uh for years he's been saying like nah i don't feel like releasing it no one's said anything good for me and then come around around 2015, 2016 era, um, when everyone was saying like, is LeBron the GOAT? Is he the GOAT? And then um, at that point, a lot of people, a lot of the kids buying uh, Jordan's shoes haven't seen him play. Like I have not, I'm not old enough to have remembered seeing uh, him play in the Bulls. Um, like. He, I think he was on the Wizards the first time I seen an NBA game. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, at that point, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think the um, the the quote by by someone of uh, the producer Michael Tolan or Tolan of uh, of the of the Last Dance said, um, you know, I see kids coming in to my office um, who are wearing your shoes but have never seen you play. Um, we got to remind people why you are the GOAT. Uh, or like, we got to remind people of this this aura of Jordan greatness. And um, he said, yeah, okay, so let's do this documentary. Um, and you know what, from a, from a storytelling standpoint, I thought it was, um, I, I liked how they sort of jumped between the different eras. So like from, uh, the 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 three was like everything everything before 97 98 season uh the 97 98 season um and then uh basically the uh, obviously everything like the, the the interviews and then also the 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 history of each each player and how they came to be uh part of that team um so yeah, I think that that where they sort of jumped um, from story to story, like from timeline to timeline, um, where they like said, you know, they mentioned um, like uh, something about uh, Steve Kerr's uh, past about his um, about his dad, and then they bring it back to uh, when his uh, uh, talking about uh, Steve Kerr's dad, how he uh, was killed, how he was murdered. 
and then like just the way that they um, had structured that story, I thought that was very cool. Um, and, but I do agree that it was definitely biased, obviously because um, you know Jordan had to give his blessing to it, and then also you know it wasn't just me. Um, who was it? Uh, the legendary uh, filmmaker, documentary filmmaker Ken Burns also uh, had uh, had an issue where he said, "Yeah, it seems very biased towards Jordan." But you know, I think I think the uh, the documentary doesn't try to hide that, so it, it kind of wears its heart on its sleeve a little bit with regards to that. Um, but uh, you know, before I go into more of like what this means media wise, past the pass the commentary back to you guys. Uh, I'm going to quickly say something before uh, we let Parse off his leash again. Um, yeah, uh, do you want me to go off? No, not right now. <laughs> Soon. Wait for reusive. Soon. Uh, I, I do I do definitely appreciate um, those, like how they would go from like one time, like one period of time to another. And the, the beauty of it was they would touch up on the history of the Bulls when Jordan got drafted, even like before Jordan got drafted, when he was still playing for UNC and whatnot. And all of it led up to what would be the inevitable 98 finals when they won their second three-peat. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, you have this massive chain and at the end of the chain is <clears throat> this pot of gold. But it's like, okay, where did the pot of gold come from? It's like, well, all these clues are on the chain. We're gonna we're gonna lead you back to different parts of the chain to show you this is how everything more or less happened, and the things that the team as a whole had gone through. Because as it is, it is very much we've we've all agreed it is a very Michael Jordan heavy documentary. Of course it is, but while every every player that played with Jordan, whether it be on the Bulls on the Olympic team, the 92 dream team or against Jordan, they all admit he's a hard ass and it makes sense. You know, the majority of it says so makes sense. And from what we'd see in the documentary, yeah, it's, it's picture perfect. It's clear as day, but there's, there's a beauty in it and that, you know, or you start to understand the kind of stress that Jordan had been put through to bring the team to the level that they were at. And to push his players, you know, there's a there's a moment where he talks about they lose Scotty because Scotty had a migraine. No one in the uh, no one else on the team decided to step up because they were like, well, what the hell do we do? We normally rely on just Scotty and Mike, but now we don't have Scotty. Should we step up? We we don't know. What what do we do? You know, uh, and in their second three-peat era, it's it's beautiful to see that we got to see the backstories of some of these players, especially Steve Kerr. I love Steve Kerr. Um, and understand that, yeah, these guys were great players too. Like you, you shouldn't forget that. Like we know that the Bulls were very much Jordan's team, but you know, this is Jordan plus Scotty plus Dennis plus Steve Kerr plus, um, Bill Wennington plus John Paxson plus all these all these other very fundamental players that really show the beauty of how much a team does matter in the sport of basketball because I feel like nowadays we're back in that superstar era of basketball 
where you just need two guys and you you'll win anything. You know, we're looking at like LeBron and Anthony Davis. You look at Kawhi and Paul George. You look at the Rockets. You know, Harden and his band of oh, he's got Westbrook on the Rockets now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at even like even the Raptors. You got like Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. That's our big two at this point. You know. Um, so yeah, you've got all these teams that are sort of living in a in the superstar era again, and it's it's a good time to watch the last dance to appreciate the beauty of true team oriented basketball. So yeah, all right, Pars, go. LeBron is not the goal. It's a hundred and ten percent facts. If you think LeBron's the goal, leave now. <laughs> He was holding out on that the whole yeah, time. He, he's he's been holding on this for a while. So let, let's let's start at the beginning. Like uh, Jordan gets drafted, okay, and he's a rookie, but he's playing outstanding basketball. He has unreal athleticism. Um, then you go into the facts of 1988. You know, facing hard Cleveland teams, facing Detroit teams, can't get over the hump. Finally, does something. 1991 championship, and then. You guys know the rest is history. Won three, retired, came back, won three more. more. What more information do you need? Now, if we're going to toss all that aside, this documentary shows you who as a person he was and why he wins. And you could do a cross comparison. LeBron may help his team win, but it doesn't lead his team to win. And that's the difference. Now, I also want to talk about the documentary as a whole because we also have to explain this. This documentary did Scottie Pippen wrong. Um, I feel like his name was kind of slandered. Not that I really mind because the dude says some really sketchy stuff now and again on the jump and it has me kind of worried. But in a sense, there would be no Jordan without Scottie. And he says this in episode five and it's a very true, con- it's a very true concept. It's also a very true statement. Scottie Pippen, what he did to that team, for those of you who don't know, uh, probably listened to this for the first time, Scottie Pippen was the number two option on the Bulls. He was a six-foot-eight, small forward, lanky guy. I mean, and this guy was mad quick and and just had a whole bunch of things in his arsenal. And he was such a number two because Jordan, as, as much as I like to meet him, that he has a lot of defensive players of the year, he wasn't really an outstanding on-the-ball defender. He was a great in-the-passing-lane and anticipating defender. There's two types of defenders, and to get into that would be to go through the whole dynamics of basketball. So we won't go there. But Scottie Pippen helped him kind of look good in the spotlight when he didn't do those things because he would come over and help out. And in this documentary where we're talking about the 98 season and Scottie Pippen's lack of wanting to play in the 98 season by taking the first 19 games off, you, you'd think there'd be a lot more respect given um, and a lot more time given on who Scottie Pippen is and why he's so special to the Bulls organization as a whole. I mean, Jerry Krause said it, uh, Phil Jackson said it, and there was a segment, but the most we ever got out was a background story and the infamous um, game where he let his players down. And I feel like showing that to a public who never got to watch Scottie play and it's probably not going to think of Scotty much when they compare him to Jordan or to LeBron in this sense or to Kobe, that it's really just slandering his name at this point. Um, 
And I, I really am appalled by that. I think that that is the most terrible thing they could have done in this documentary is slander a guy like Scotty Pippen's name, who is a Hall of Famer, and rightfully so. Uh, a guy who led the Bulls to 60 wins the year after Michael Jordan left and almost bit, took the Knicks to six games. You know, like, th this guy wasn't a scrub. He wasn't a number two because Jordan was so great. He was, he was the, the, the greatest partner to ever have for Jordan. The perfect partner in that. And to just see them slander him in this, in this, this documentary is unforgivable. Again, like you said, it was Michael's, uh, Michael's blessing. And I, I wish they, they didn't do that. Because in a sense, the biggest winners of this documentary is Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr because of the way they slandered Scotty. I wouldn't say that they slandered him so much as they like they made him uh I think they just sort of showed um the good side and the bad side even though like he had done a lot m m more to help the team it's just that it's hard to sh to show it when you have like well you got like 50 minutes and then you have to cover the entire team um but I do agree that it, you know, it, it, you know, if there was more good stuff to show, it'd be cool if they had shown more of it. Um, but I wouldn't say, I don't think that they slandered him so much, except for maybe that, yeah, that one um, moment where, uh, yeah, when Scotty let down the, the team. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I wouldn't call it slander. No, I think... The thing with Scotty and I, I really learned this from watching the documentary. Is yeah, you're right. With, without Scotty, there would have been no Michael Jordan. Like, look, the era of the NBA that they were in, the the late '90s era. You know, you were looking at the end of the Showtime Lakers era. You were you were looking at the end of the Larry Bird dynasty and all that kind of stuff. You know there were some ridiculous players in that era. Like the Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, a young Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Charles Barkley, um, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Akeem Olajuwon. Charles Barkley. Like, and Kobe that was, was, was and Kobe was, Kobe was just about to come up. No. 96, 96 so he had two, three years. It, there were so many ridiculous players in that era of the NBA. And you see that because the Bulls played a lot of those guys in their playoff runs. And they mentioned that. It's like, yeah, you know, Portland had our number at one point. You know, we had to play the Utah Jazz, had to play the Celtics, the Pistons, losing to them in the Eastern Conference Finals twice and watching them win back-to-back -back titles. Yeah, I, it, that's infuriating stuff for them but there's no way michael jordan could have beat any of those guys by himself as great as he is he he will be the goat the undisputed goat for being able to be <clears throat> essentially i i don't want to put it like this but in, I, this is basically how it's been is you know michael jordan didn't beat the Portland Trailblazers. Michael Jordan didn't beat this team. Michael Jordan didn't beat that team. The Chicago Bulls, led by Michael Jordan, beat those teams. 
the thing is, is you got to give credit where credit is due. And guys like, like Scotty Pippen finding out how he was like poorly underpaid. Like what the fuck? Really? He is undoubtedly the second best player in the league because he is the point man for the greatest player in the league. Okay. Yeah, Jordan, he was, uh, it, it was just partly, I think, just due to the fact that he wanted to secure the contract. He wanted to secure money because yeah. he, he, he was unsure if he wanted to make sure that he could provide for his family. Yeah. So he signed the contract. And um, yeah, uh, Reisdorf didn't seem to want to uh, renegotiate that. No, which, yeah, I, there, there are owners like that jerry jones the owner of the dallas cowboys from the stories i've heard is like that you know don't don't even oh man but yeah we're not gonna get i hate that man there we go anyways before i mute parse for the rest of this podcast <laughs> um you know scotty should have been given more credit where credit is due besides just like the, here's the backstory of scotty pippen Here's the one time Scotty let us down. What about all the times? What about all the things Scotty did to bring help bring greatness to this team? You know, the 91, 92, 93 Chicago Bulls, that first three peat, that was Michael and Scotty. That was, that was Michael and Scotty. It was partly Bill Cartwright. It was Phil Jackson. It was, there were so many parts to that, you know? And the 96 to 98 Bulls. It was Michael, Scotty, and Dennis. Of course, they were the big three of the team, but you had Steve Kerr and you have Bill Wennington. You had all these other players. But Scotty, no matter what, for some reason, like I feel like thinking about this now is through that documentary, the amount of, I wouldn't say praise so much as maybe just exposure to what he actually did for the team. The amount of exposure, so to speak, that Scotty got in that documentary compared to even the likes of Steve Kerr was minuscule and granted steve kerr maybe got like half an episode but scotty's was very sporadic throughout each episode like oh yeah me and scotty blah 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 blah. it's like okay you know we got half an episode dedicated to scotty's like life story his backstory and all these things could we have gotten a half an hour of like the real like scotty defining moments of that bulls team and not just Scotty and Michael, just Scotty. Because there were definitely games where Scotty was the leading man. But, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to praise greatness, I guess. I mean, that doc is, is really, um, like Danton said, is to put the, the, the needle in the coffin, sorry, the nail in the coffin that uh, LeBron's not going to contest. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. Scotty was such an instrument to that team, such a force for that triangle offense. And to not see them have 30 minutes, 20 minutes dedicated to just this greatness. I mean, and here's where the argument's gonna come in. That episode where they showed Jordan leaving, Scotty assuming lead of the team, they're gonna say that's the part where they're gonna focus on Scotty, but it would never really never really was a focus, right? Because no, because they focused. Sorry, but they because they focused so much on Jordan's adventure to play baseball rather than actually talking about how the team was doing. Exactly, exactly. So you do that, and all of a sudden we're deprived of 
hey, let's find out what happened when Scotty was alone, right? They, and they didn't fall. They, did, they weren't terrible the first year. They, they won 60 games. Um, they lost to the Knicks. And then the following year, they didn't became terrible. Then they were the 41 and 41. And that's when Jordan got involved again. And then they lost to Orlando in the, I want to say quarterfinals. I want to say Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I think it was Eastern Conference Finals. Um, before the whole, like, Jordan's going to come back thing. So all that important. Yeah, I do. I do want to bring this up. Actually, I was I was thinking about this question as I was speaking, and I think about this more now. Is there's a really interesting quote from literally the very beginning of uh, the documentary of the docu series that Jerry Krause brings up, and it's a reason a lot of people didn't like Jerry Krause. Is Jerry Krause made a quote that had said, "Organizations win championships," you know. And I, I, I guess maybe people did sort of paraphrase what he was saying or maybe misquoted him in that he, they thought he meant, well, organizations win the, they win the rings, players don't. Jerry, of course, tried to reiterate, no, it's not what I meant. I was misquoted. Organizations like players do win the championships, but who are the guys that put those players together? You know? And I know Michael Jordan very much was obviously not a fan of that. He was very vocal about that in the beginning of the docuseries. And it, it just makes me wonder, well, here's the thing, Mike, Mr. Jordan, sir. Uh, you know, you're obviously on the side of, <clears throat> yeah, players win the rings because they're the ones doing the work. You realize that word is pluralized, right? Players, not player. Multiple. They're behind every ring is not one person. Okay. It's like you look at the 2016 NBA finals when the Cavs won. That wasn't just LeBron. Whether people want to admit that or not, it wasn't just LeBron. You look at all the rings that Golden States won. That wasn't just Steph. It wasn't just Draymond. It wasn't just Clay. It wasn't just KD. You know, look at the Raptors. Look at up, you know, our hometown team. We might as well talk about them. Yeah, I get it. Kawhi was the best player on the team, but it wasn't just Kawhi. No, it was a true team team. Yeah, they were a team team. They were as much of a team team as that Bulls team was for those eight years. And that's what sort of bothers me is I think Michael, Michael understand, I would assume, if I ever meet him, I might ask him that one day, but what are the odds? Uh, you know, you understand the the fact and the motive that you are the best player in this league and you potentially are going to be the best player in the history of the sport. But you can't climb a mountain without tools. You're not going to climb a mountain barehanded. You know? The, I, th- I think you should rather say you're not going to, you, you shouldn't climb a mountain without people helping you. That works. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because then, if you just call like oh, then I'm Scotty just calling tool. them tools. Yeah, no, Scotty, yeah, I love Scotty and Dennis a tool. And <laughs> Dennis is um, a Swiss Army knife. That's what Dennis Rodman was talking about. There you go. I, you know, um, I apologize for that. Yes, that's yeah, putting it. Yeah, um, Yusuf is the true slanderer. Um, yeah. Although, <laughs> but yeah, my my point being is like we have to acknowledge that there's there's more than one person that wins these rings. 
it's like, yeah, the front office should get a little bit of credit for it because they're the guys that, I mean, they sign the paychecks and they're the ones that sort of, you know, take a fishing rod and just and just really in. So, yeah, it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions I still have about that documentary and uh, and my my escapade of rewatching it uh, now should should answer a few more of those but for the most part i think the answers that people have had questions for for a while that were more like blatant questions like what kind of person michael jordan actually was during the team how much of a part did scotty and the other guys play during that run you know how much of it that actually matter and of course the ultimate question of how did you manage to get all those people to deal with michael jordan and how did you get michael jordan to deal with them for those years to win. Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. Yeah, that's a good way of answering it. It's Phil Jackson. He's, a, he's the Jackson. best people's – he's a people's coach. He is. And uh, that, to, to answer people's questions about coaches and why they're so important, um, we're actually going to take a deep dive into San Antonio for a second. So San Antonio has five rings to date. Um, it's, well, more than that, but for the presence being. And um, in, in so doing it, you had probably the, the greatest coach of all time. Now, this greatest coach of all time is an actual coach. Um, this coach himself, what he does is he actually tells people how to do things, why they're doing it, and has a total strategic plan. What's good about Popovich as a coach in that system is that he doesn't have that dynamic player that can just do everything on his own, like what Phil had. And that's the difference. When Phil Jackson was close, um, sorry, was, clo- was coach, Phil had Michael. Michael could score at will and do pretty much everything. So Phil didn't have to build a system. What he had to do was bring other people together to support this one guy. And through that doing, become a people person so that people's egos don't get intertwined and arguments don't soon just blows up from within. And in essence, what he really did was create a Roman empire. He took Julius Caesar and planted a Senate around him and the Senate would, would, approve of whatever decrees that this guy had and himself just try not to make sure make sure it doesn't implode and in the background scenes you know you hear that in the last dance about possible moments where it did implode and the famous uh steve Kerr versus michael jordan fight which yusuf will be glad to explain about and give his reactions to that and uh in a sense that's one of the reasons why this team was so successful because they didn't have a coach coach they had a people's person and Phil is the most ultimate people's person that I've seen on a documentary. I will hold my thought, Anton. Okay. Um, I want to talk. Um, I don't know how, what direction else we want to take this podcast in. Maybe we can talk about Michael Jordan in general. <laughs> I don't know. Talk I about do. Whatever. But you, you did want to talk about the, the prime thing. Yes. Um, so like in that prime. case. Let me let me mention this thought then, and then let, let's get into that because that is definitely an interesting uh, question. Uh, one one big thought I had from this whole documentary, uh, man, as crazy as he is, Tennis Rodman's fucking smart in his twisted and cynical way. The dude finessed his way to getting a forty eight hour vacation to do whatever the hell he wanted just to get away from the team did it, came back, and still put up the same numbers that he was already putting up, still averaging like 20 rebounds and everything. 
and also what like he there's a it's that same episode where he's talking about he basically spent hours figuring out the trajectory of shots and rebounds and understanding like yeah, the yeah. physics behind it like what the fuck man yeah i think it's just like you know that guy was a he was he knew what he was about like yeah. he yeah. he was himself and um mm-hmm. i think what, what was it one of his high uh, I don't know his college uh assistant coach or something was just like um yeah don't uh, leave, leave dennis alone you don't you don't put a saddle on a mustang. mustang yeah that's and that's a great quote i i really do enjoy that and i phil jackson realized that when they brought in scotty or when they brought in dennis sorry like phil jackson understood that you know but he knew when to sit the mustang down like phil jackson pars is very correct in this he was very much a people's coach what he was he was basically a father figure to all of them you know he from what i from what i had what i had gathered he was he was very much a, a fatherly figure to all of his players and tried to sort of sit down with them as much as he could and be be friendly with them you know but um <laughs> oh dennis rodman you strange strange man but uh did you want to <laughs> okay so i guess um before we talk about uh before we talk about this interesting thing. question yeah just final thoughts on the documentary Maybe. I think it was an amazing documentary. I thought it, it did a good job of doing uh, what it was supposed to do, showing us a, a unique picture. It came at the perfect time because we had nothing else to do. Uh, hopefully this COVID thing ends. But um, in, t- in terms of what I wanted, what I personally wanted, which I wanted a real snippet into who Jordan was. I wanted the stories that I, I heard as a kid of how mean and detrimental and abusive that he could be. And they, they only, they, they just didn't show enough of how much of a tyrant this guy was. I mean, this guy would roam Chicago like a king with his like, with, with all of his royalty and all of his chaperones, all of his bodyguards. I mean, he would, he would kick people off of his lawn. He didn't deem necessary. He would not sign autographs to people that he deemed unnecessary. He found it to just be, found it just not to be in his, uh, at his perfect timing. Um, he would park his car in front of places and just not care if it got ticketed, not care if it was the, in the way of somebody walking because to him, he's Michael Jordan. I just wanted more of his ego in these documentaries. I never got that, and I felt disappointed. I felt like he's he's hiding that from people, and I wish he didn't. I wish he was just authentic to the way he was. Because when he was doing this back then, he was really about, yeah, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm. I mean, he heard it. I'm. I'm Jesus. I'm black. Yeah. So like, where? Why not own up to that in this documentary and tell us about how much of a devious, evil person you actually were? Why just hide up with the clever word of, I was competitive? You weren't just competitive, dude. You were a tyrant. Come on, man. I think, I think the reason they didn't do that is because you could make an entire documentary on that by itself. Yeah. Well, also, like, you know, that's true. You know, like I said, um, these, the, the, the producers, um, had to get Jordan's uh, go-ahead. They had to get his blessing. So obviously they weren't going to 
go too hard on him, right? They were going to show a little bit of his tough side. Um, and then, you know, speaking on my thoughts before we move on to the somewhat adjacent topic, um, I want to talk about this from a media perspective uh, and what this means um, for for the Air Jordan brand. Like, um, I was talking earlier about, like, you know, sneaker and, like, uh, you know, they, I think they said in 2014 or 2015, some, sometime mid, middle of last decade, um, the Air Jordans, uh, like they were losing some sales, like it was kind of declining. Um, you know, you had other uh, players, um, you know, having their sneakers, you know, coming out. You had, uh, uh, you know, you had the LeBrons, you had um, Steph Curry, had his, you know, all like, the, the you know it, it sort of changed um, and they were losing steam on that front uh, and so I've seen a lot of articles that said basically ESPN and Netflix they just created an entire uh, a ten part commercial for the Air Jordan brand um, which yeah basically is, is kind of kind of what happened and I think um, you know it, it kind of it's kind of like re-energize that um uh, basically like from the start with what david fogg his uh his his agent back in the day uh, did when he had started the air jordan brand with him um to, to now just like re-energizing the the brand um and then people are also saying that like on the contrary that like this is kind of like the last dance like what are you gonna do what in like the in, in 20, 15 years afterwards, when people have forgotten about this documentary and you want to bring up Air, you want to bring up the Air Jordan brand again, like, what are you going to do? Like, you have to, you got to bring Charlotte a ring. That's it. That's, you have to bring the Hornets a ring. That's the only other way that you're going to be able to bring uh, the Air Jordan brand uh, back. You got to get the Hornets a ring. That's, I think that's the only other way um, that you're going to be able to accomplish that. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought uh, this was a very interesting media play, uh, just from. Yeah, getting it from different perspectives is always great. Getting it from a media perspective is nice. So thank you, Anton. Um, it yeah, it it is a glorified marketing strategy for Air Jordan because well, at the end of the day, what's what's the brand revolve around? It's Mike. The brand is Mike, right? So why not just make a documentary about your brand? And just be like, well, people will enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to help. It, it's a win-win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my overall, like, final thoughts about The Last Dance, just overall thoughts, is I'm glad that a documentary like this came out. Because I think for so many, you know, like ESPN does their, like, 30 for 30s. Uh, Sportsnet and TSN here in Canada have their, like, uh, 24 uh, series or whatever they do, you know, that highlight certain periods of like a great moment in sports and talk about these things. We're probably going to get one about the Raptors in, at some point if one hasn't come out already. Um, but I think a, a documentary like this, like a 10 part, you know, hour each episode long, I will say it is in depth because it does focus on the struggles outside of the game of basketball for the team heading into what would have been or what 
was their second three-peat. And all the other, you know, controversy surrounding it, the fact that <clears throat> Jerry Krause didn't want Phil Jackson back. The fact that Mike said, well, Phil Jackson's back, I'm not back. Scotty getting underpaid, dealing with Dennis Rodman, you know, all these, all these things that were going on. It's good that we had a documentary like this to really look at these things because I, I was talking to my dad about it when uh, we had finished watching the first couple of episodes. You know, my, my dad and a lot of other people I know, a lot of people in my family, they always, they always ask me, like, what, what's your, why are you so intrigued by athletics? Why are you so intrigued by sports? These are just guys that shoot a ball really well or, or fire a puck and can skate well that are getting paid all this money for, for what exactly. And I think from the reactions I've at least gotten from my dad watching it so far is he's, he's starting to realize more like they're just as human as we are. It's yeah. You and it, the whole thing yeah. is that it's, it's storytelling sports. Yeah, it's storytelling. Uh, like, okay. A, a game of sports. Okay. So let's say just, you know, fo- football, soccer, you know, association yeah. football. Yes. It's the easiest thing. It's the easiest story to tell my team is the protagonist or the hero or the good guys. And then your team is the bad guys or the antagonist yep. or the villain. Right. And you know that there are stakes involved. You know, if you uh, mess up certain things, um, if you don't get this ball into their net um, enough times and stop them from getting the ball back into your net, you know, you have the same goal, which is to win. Uh, and like, it's, the, um, like it's the best and easiest story to tell and humans love stories like whenever someone is telling me like oh you know what i um i'm just more of a uh, i like watching tv but I, I just don't get sports but like the thing is that like sports is is, is storytelling really like yeah. you know like people will you know they'll watch the olympics and they're like they don't care about you know the luge right but then uh, right before uh, someone goes on, you see that uh, documentary, the little clip, uh, like that 10 minute uh, highlight on that, uh, that uh, uh, Olympic athlete. And like you bring them back to their uh, village in Slovakia or something like that. And, um, you know, like, oh, they're in Slovakia and they're in, uh, you know, poor conditions. And then you care so much about them because you start identifying with them. And it's, it's, it's storytelling. That's, that's that's what sports is. It's, it's storytelling, and uh, that's that's why it is the amount that they make the amount of money that they do. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was I was just about to bring this up because you're bringing up uh, these European countries. Going off quickly, just before we before we finish this part of the episode off, uh, Pars was talking about you know showing Michael being like a tyrant in a different world or something in whatnot right here's the thing they had a whole episode dedicated to them embarrassing future teammate tony kukoc at the 92 olympics against team croatia because they found out jerry kraus was like we like this guy he could be the next scotty he could be the 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 new uh face of the bulls michael jordan obviously didn't like that or as the as the jordan memes are already approaching uh i took offense to that Michael Jordan, why are you so memeable? Um, and, you know, they told the 92 Dream Team before they played Croatia for that first game. They were like, oh, yeah, Kukoc, leave him, leave him to me and Scotty. He's ours. And they just embarrassed him. 
they never met the guy. They didn't know what he was about. They just knew that they heard Jerry Krause wanted him on the Bulls and said he might be the next big thing. And you embarrass this dude having no information on this guy whatsoever. And that's your first time meeting the guy. And you decide, well, we don't like him, so we're going to do this to him. And then you win three rings with him. Yeah, what a story. That's what a absurd. drama. What a story, Mark. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, did you... Yeah, so... Before I, we... What? I don't know. Did you want to talk about that? the uh, the, the idea of having multiple primes? Or do you want I to do. save that for I actually, another episode? I feel like we can we... get into it. We can get into it briefly. Because just in the context of, of the Bulls specifically, but we can definitely we can definitely talk about it more in depth later on. So I want to keep this brief. But I, a friend of mine uh, and I were discussing this not too long ago about we were talking about one of our favorite bands and how you know their one of their best albums was done in 08, but the la- the album they just released uh, about a month and a half ago is just as good as not, if not better. So he was saying, Oh, well the thing is, would you consider that album in 2008, their prime, or would you consider where they at or where they're at now, their prime. And I thought about it for a second. It was like, Hmm, I don't know. And that made me think about the bulls because the bulls over the course of an entire decade won six titles. The catch though of course was that michael jordan left for a year and a half so it was a different bulls team michael came back obviously it was the same team different players so my question in this situation and we'll, we'll definitely get into this more later on and i'm actually going to be discussing this topic on uh the wrestling podcast that i do uh later next week actually later this week actually but in the context of the bulls do you think that multiple eras of being in your prime quote unquote exist? So would you say that the 91 to 93 bulls was one prime and the 96 to 98 bulls was a second prime? Or would you say that's all confined within one sort of span almost? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I played basketball per se that's how it's kind of like my niche of this conversation is that Anton's the media guy and then like I'm I was an athlete at the time but um I'm gonna say no on that mainly because of this so when you look at somebody's prime that is that is a section number of years where they're supposed to be performing at the peak of their ability now in basketball that's anywhere from 28 years of age to 32 33 years of age um, and it's different primes for different years. Uh, let's look at Serena Williams, who's been winning a lot. Um, you would say that her whole career is a prime, but that's not true, right? Because again, everything that has a beginning has a apex and then an end. So that's the reason why I consider that theory kind of false. If you look at the ninety-one to ninety to ninety-eight Bulls, the the apex the apex is actually. 97 and then it goes down because of the struggles they had in the season but the entire thing itself is one prime so yeah, i 
Okay. I would actually agree with that. Um, I, w- I was going to say that, like, Jordan coming back and then winning, like, in 96 and 97, like, that was his prime. I would say, like, that that three-peat was his prime. Like, yeah, he had to take some time off because his father had passed, and so he had, you know, sort of had, like, a bit of a bump in the road. But it's, I think that's, like, that's his prime. It, it's sort of like, you know, he had a little bit of a dip, but, you know, he, he was on that trajectory. And, and I think had his father not passed, it would have been, like, that would have been the prime. Okay, that's, that's an interesting way of putting it. I really, like... I've I've been trying to think like think of a natural think, answer in my end for a while, so it's it's good to hear that. But I feel like, hmm, how do I put this? I feel like it's it's interesting to think about that because, say, I don't want to do this. Look at LeBron. Would you consider LeBron having been past his prime, or do you think he still like hasn't reached that apex yet? I think he's about to reach his, his, uh, his peak potential. Like, you know, we, it, obviously we weren't really able to fully see that now with the, uh, this current season having been uh, sort of stopped abruptly. Uh, right. But I think the Lakers, is, and then obviously having, um, you know, having uh, Kawhi as someone he could definitely like see as like, you know, being the, you know, being the, the, the Magic Johnson to his Larry Bird, you know, like someone, he's like, this is the guy that I'm going to, he's going to make me better because I'm going to do everything I can to be better than him. Um, and I think that, like, this is going to be LeBron's prime. Like, yeah, he, he won championships and got some rings before, but I think this one, this coming years. Okay. Although, you know, it, it, yeah, like you brought it up with your friend, with a band like it's different with music because it you can kind of yeah. change you know different like would you say madonna had lots of different primes because she had she had like changed her style so much mm-hmm. um and then obviously you know different hip-hop fans will have different say different things about like you know when jay-z retired or like when eminem went into uh went into rehab and then came back and then like you know now like a couple years ago <laughs> when he did rap god like is that the same thing as like uh, Marshall Mathers LP uh, two? Um, uh, when Kanye, when Kanye just decided to go full Kanye. Yeah, like yeah, you know the the, the first three albums Kanye, and then you had um, uh, my be- my dark beautiful twisted my, you know which album I'm talking about. Yes. Even like like even eight oh eight heartbreaks Kanye is a different Kanye, but. Yeah, and then you had Jesus and all those things and Life of Pablo. But yeah, it is definitely different with music. And before before we give parts on migraine from talking about Kanye, um, just going back to the actual topic, because this is a podcast about sports. It's, it's interesting to see that we have, you know, obviously we were not old enough to truly witness the greatness that was the night, like the nineties Chicago bulls hell by the time, like they started their second three peat, we were born, you know? So it's interesting now that our generation of basketball fans, our generation of fans of Michael Jordan and 
you know, all the people that buy sneakers. Yeah, there are kids out there that'll buy sneakers and they'll hear that name. It's like, well, yeah, it's the Air Jordans. It's like, well, what makes these sneakers actually so valuable? And you start to understand that a lot more because of this documentary. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad they did it. This is just my final thought, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they showed us how truly Jordan was, even after taking a year and a half away from basketball, changing his body to be a baseball uh, figure, and then immediately almost changing it back like right after to make sure he was in shape for basketball. Yeah, I, I, I do think about it now. I, I would agree that 96, 97 was definitely his prime and obviously 98 his retirement year slump. But, you know, that would make the most sense, wouldn't it? You wouldn't have, I guess you wouldn't really have a prime and then a slump and then another prime. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, and then overall final thoughts is I'm, this is my final thoughts. I'm glad that this documentary, I'm really, really excited to see uh, more documentaries like this in the future. I'm definitely excited to see a Tom Brady documentary like this. I am so excited to see that. Oh man, that's going to be good. Um, because, you know, it's the same thing. And I was, I, I put down, I've been writing out this list of essentially the Mount Rushmore of coaches. And I, I might get into this in a later episode when we do one, but the Mount Rushmore of coaches that it's essentially the greatest coaches from each major league sport. So one from the MLB, one from the NHL, from the NFL, and from the NBA. And so the immediate three I thought of were Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, whether people want to admit it or not, Bill Belichick is, I, where's his book? His book is up there. I'll get it later. And uh, Scotty Bowman for the NHL, you know, the, the three greatest, like though that's my Mount Rushmore of coaches when it comes to that. And you always notice that with the exception of Scotty, and if I can figure out someone for the, for major league baseball, we'll get to that eventually. But these great coaches had almost like a son like figure in one of their players that they were with for pretty much their entire career. And, you know, it worked or the synergy between them worked so well that they brought them to this greatness. And so with the last dance, we got to see the relationship between Michael and Phil Jackson, you know, I really genuinely, well, okay. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say really genuinely, but if one day a Kobe Bryant documentary is ever done if one day I'm curious to see how the relationship between Kobe and Phil Jackson was when he coached the Lakers in uh, the early 2000s you know and it's the same thing with with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady because Belichick is not a media savvy guy but I feel like a documentary regarding Tom Brady and the New England Patriots will definitely shed a lot of a lot more light on the kind of person that Belichick is much like we got with the kind of person Michael Jordan really is. You know, we hear all these things as fans of, well, he acts like this with his team. He's like this with media, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you know, for us with Michael Jordan, we weren't old enough to know that we weren't old enough to witness that all we can believe is what we read on the internet. And Abraham Lincoln famously said anything on the, if it's on the internet, it's probably true. That's a bad meme, but it gave us a good insight on Michael Jordan, the kind of person he is and the kind of relationship that he had with 
the other players in the league and, you know, his own team. And so, yeah, I, I really hope another one of these documentaries comes out at some point in time because it really does give people, whether you be like a, a regular fan, a hardcore fan, whatever, if you, even if you don't watch sports, you know, it gives people a an inside look at the fact that these guys that are throwing a ball or throwing a football or whatever that are getting paid all these millions of dollars, you get an inside look like, hey, they're they're human too, you know. So yeah, I'm gonna cut you off because Pars is, is human. He, he, he looks like he wants to. Pars looks like he's about to just. Go, Pyrus. LeBron sucks. Okay. He's not go. He has he has like one ring. The other one is fake. And the other one Ray Allen won for him. Okay. It's not even real. Don't buy into the hype. That's all I'm trying to say. And if you do think LeBron's still the GOAT, watch a documentary. And like Stephen A. Smith said, stay off the weed. Did you, was that your final thought, or do you want to like shed, shed some? Please, more? please tell me that was your final thought. Final thought. If I if I wanted to be more uh, more of a professional on it, uh, this documentary was needed, and it came at the right time. And it what it shows is that who Michael is, and what Michael stood for, why he's such an icon, why he was so globally loved, not even by just people in the Americas, but why people from all over the world would would wish and dream and save money just to watch him play because he was just that magical. And this documentary really captures that. And I hope that uh, the my my favorite player and who I believe um, helped me to become a better person to become who I am, Kobe Bryant. Um, I hope that his story is told one day and that we can watch that and relive those great times because what he did for the game of basketball was truly astonishing. And it's a direct linkage and model of Michael Jordan. Yeah, so I'll just finish off my thoughts by saying, yeah, like I I enjoyed this uh, more than I thought I would. When I first saw it come up on, on Netflix, I was like, eh, I don't know. I I like watching documentaries, but I'm not too big on sports documentaries. Like, I'll, I'll watch them and then you know, I, I'm glad I, I did because, um, you know, it was very enjoyable, very well told uh, from, like, I was inspired. Uh, for those of you do, who don't know, I am a videographer and filmmaker. Um, and so I was inspired by, like, just the storytelling ability and just, like, how they decided to cut from different aspects of, of different timelines. So that's something I'm going to try to do in, in a future film of mine uh, is cut between different stories. But yeah, like Yusuf said, it's all it's all about the story um, and uh, getting to to know more than just what they see on the court or on the ice or on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, overall, it's definitely one of the the better documentaries that have come out in the last little while, and I'm glad it's come out, and I'm glad that people are watching it. Yeah, hopefully we get more. And that, I think, is everything for this episode. Uh, I th- yeah, we're all good here. I've yeah. been parse, you know. Parse, do you uh, have anything Le- else Lebr- to say about LeBron? LeBron sucks, okay? <laughs> he left. He left Cleveland. What kind of man leaves the team that drafts him? Not Michael Jordan. 
Michael Jordan got six. What did LeBron get? Barely won. He had to get he had to come back and get Kyrie to save him. For those of you that don't know, Pars is the kind of person that would probably want a JaVale McGee documentary at some point. <laughs> Actually, a Shaq documentary. That would be fun. I want a Shaq yeah, I want to see Shaq doc. Shaq, a Shaq doc would be cool. So uh, if anyone out there is listening and happens to know Shaq, uh, get on that because that would be yeah. an interesting time. But uh, that's all we've got. This has been the play-by-play podcast. I have been Yusuf, as usual, of course, flanked by Anton and Pars. Uh, we will be back shortly, and hopefully once things clear up and the provincial government gives us the okay that it's okay to see other people again in their houses, uh, we'll be live in the same room and not doing this over Zoom. But, you know, so far so good. We're making the best out of the situation. Uh, So yeah, until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and we will see you later.